A Thurston County football star has been missing for more than a year. Detectives are continuing to search for Investigators him. found the young man's car with his wallet and his cell phone inside it. We're not certain that he's dead. We're not certain he's alive. It's what keeps me up at night. Totally out of character for him. Shinobi's family won't give up looking until they get answers. Just desperate to know he's okay. From Sasquatch Productions, this is Hide and Seek. The Investigation of Logan Schindelman. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, in the last episode, you heard Detective Farley share the three different theories when it comes to Logan's disappearance. Now, if you're just joining us, be sure to go back and listen to the previous episode, The Epiphany, because today, we're going to dive into one of those theories. In episode one, we discussed how Ginny waited to file the missing persons report until Monday with the sheriff's office. Looking back, she wishes she wouldn't have waited and just called 911. Now, the missing persons report is filed on Monday, May 23rd at 11.45 a.m. Ginny made sure to include Logan's car in the document. As you remember from the first episode, three different individuals dialed 911 to report the Chrysler Sebring rolling across I-5. State Patrol arrived and had the car impounded by Baker's Towing Yard in Tonino. Now, I'd like to add, State Patrol Sergeant Shades did look around the right shoulder of the freeway where Logan's car had drifted from, but didn't see anything or anyone when assessing the situation. And since there wasn't any damage to the barrier, State Patrol wasn't required to contact the registered owner of the vehicle. Today, protocol has changed. Damage or not, State Patrol will attempt to contact the vehicle's registered owner. Fast forward to Monday, May 23rd. Around 4 p.m., Sergeant Carter contacts Jenny and shares that the vehicle had been towed on Friday and is available for her to pick up at Baker's. That's when Jenny and her husband, Bill, head to the towing yard in Tonino and retrieved the Chrysler Sebring. What do you guys do then? After the report's been filed, you get the call back around 4 o'clock that the car was impounded. You guys then go get the car. Yeah. And you go get the car. What are your thoughts? I checked the trunk sounds terrible but that was my first thought is he in the trunk and he was not then we just took it home it wasn't let's see his phone was in there his wallet was in there we talked to the guy at the impound a little bit about that because that was that's when it got really weird that all of his really all of his personal items were in there yeah okay his debit card that's all stuff that if you were if you were running away, you'd take with you, but no, it was all in the car. So you're the, actually, the, the, the first thing you did was you actually checked the trunk. That is the first thing I did, yeah. What went through your thought process into to that being the first thing that you wanted to do? That he'd, he'd gone someplace. The car had been found. Some guy had run out of the car that didn't look like Logan. I knew that much. And where was Logan? So my first thought was something happened to him, and whoever had the car was the most likely person in my mind who would have done something to him. How did you know that someone had already ran out of, ran out of the car the day you found out the vehicle was impounded? The impound guy knew that. The impound guy knew that someone had jumped out of the vehicle and ran into the woods? Yeah. How did he know that? I assumed the state patrol that picked up the car knew it and told him. Ginny and Bill take the car back to their residence. Now, if you're wondering whether Logan's car was abandoned because of mechanical issues or an empty gas tank, the vehicle did have a half a tank of gas still in it, and Bill was able to drive the car from Baker's towing yard without any problems. 
because of this, I'd guess nothing was wrong with the car at the time of it being abandoned. Now, it's important to know that Logan's car is a convertible, because when his grandparents went to pick it up at Baker's Towing Yard, the top was up, as it was in all three witness accounts to 911. And why is that important? Well, when Bill drove the vehicle back to his residence from the towing yard, he dropped the top as he normally did when driving Logan's car. Now, this detail caught my attention because when considering the items in the car that could be potential evidence, could dropping the top tamper with anything in any way? I'm not a forensic specialist, but wouldn't you be concerned with losing forensic DNA evidence or prints by putting the top down while driving? Maybe that's not a thing, and I'm overthinking it. So I asked Detective Farley to give me his opinion. One of the things I, I'd asked Jenny about was what was done to the vehicle as soon as you guys brought it back. Because for whatever reason, Bill decides to put the top down, going from the towing yard back to his house, which I didn't understand. I just thought, why would you do that? In my eyes, maybe it's just the way my brain works, which is, doesn't make Bill or any of them guilty or whatever, but is do as much as le the less, the better so that nothing's being tampered with or you're not messing up a, what could be an investigation. I mean, obviously... But see, not to interrupt you, but see, you're thinking, like, there's a crime being committed. You don't know right. what that is committed. So but, if right. a crime hasn't been committed, why are you doing all that? If I'm looking at it from the perspective of this is... Right. I'm not arguing with you, but I'm just saying that that would be the argument, you know, is that people can just say, well, man, he's, I don't know where he's at, you know, and then let's just go back to him. We'll find him later, you know. Again, it would be the part of the argument that I make that, well, people would never do that. Well, again, all you got to do is one time, you know, and Which I mean, I'm not to interrupt you, but I get where you're going with that. We can easily make that argument. But again, it's not unreasonable for people to do that. Because so, again, if you don't have reason to believe that something's happened and you're in a crime scene, let's say, you know, then you're going to take the car back. You know, it's a nice sunny day. It was nice in the Pacific Northwest during that time frame, you know, and, and um, he liked convertibles and, and he had bought that car for Logan and he was driving it back. So yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, I've had that argument with people before, you know, and I'm like, it only you know, takes I, one time. Right. That's all it takes. And yeah. I revert back to that all the time. It just takes one time. I get what Detective Frawley is saying. I understand that not all people respond the same way as I would. I guess for me, considering all things up and to the point of retrieving the vehicle, I wouldn't have even thought about dropping the top. And Detective Frawley understands my position and even agrees to a certain extent. He's making the argument that you have to consider not all people think alike, which is fair, but allow me to explain my thought process because dropping the top, in my opinion, did potentially cause issues with the investigation. Once the car is back home, Bill and Jenny park it in their garage and were advised by Sergeant Carter to, as much as possible, leave the vehicle alone. Jenny takes Logan's phone inside the house and plugs it into the charger. When the phone turns on, it reveals 12 text messages all coming in at 5.22 p.m. Five messages from Carolina, three from Jenny, two are from Hannah, and two from Chloe. Now, about these text messages, I can only assume that the order of incoming messages are in order with who texted Logan first. But I want to reiterate, Logan's phone was dead on Friday, and I can't see the time the texts were actually sent. Since I have limited access to Logan's phone activity, I know that these texts were sent to him sometime after 1.25 p.m. on May 20th. That was Friday, since that's when it appears his phone died. And before they powered the phone back on, on Monday, May 23rd, around 5.21 p.m. This means that Logan's phone was dead during the initial 911 calls about his car drifting across lanes of traffic. I want to read you the text messages in order of them coming in on Logan's phone. Carolina says, Hey. Ginny texts, 
Please text me so I know you're alive. Your friend who joined the army was here to see you. I gave him your number. Hannah says, Hey, are you all right? Are you safe? Chloe texted me asking if you were here. You can always come over here if you want. I love you. Carolina sends him another. Are you okay? I'm worried about you. Hannah says, Um, are you okay? Carolina sends her last text. Please, let me know that you're okay. Please be okay. Please. And then Jenny's last text says, Roger. That's in reference to Logan's friend who had stopped by earlier, who joined the army. And then finally, the last two incoming messages are from Chloe. Hey, you should give Grandma a call. We're worried about you. I love you, and I hope you're okay, brother. Now, the challenge we have when reading these messages from Logan's phone is not knowing exactly when and what order they were sent, because they were all delivered within seconds of each other. The delivery time in his phone reads 5.22 p.m., the moment the phone was turned on, not the time the sender actually sent the text. Now, you can go to the individual who sent the text message and look at the time that they sent it, but I don't have that information available to me. On May 26, three days after the missing report is filed, Detective Beale heads over to Jenny's residence to look at the vehicle and interview family members. Now, after arriving, Detective Beale observes the impound form and notices it indicated that there was a stereo in the vehicle, though there was not one actually present. Bill said there was never a stereo in the car. The top is still down when Bill started investigating the Sebring. Remember when I said dropping the top may have potentially caused problems? When dusting for fingerprints, the case file states, the vehicle was dirty and there were very few smooth surfaces. When I asked Detective Beale what that meant, he confirmed that he was not able to pull any fingerprints from the Chrysler Sebring because the dirt was preventing him from getting a clear print. There's no telling that if the top was up, they would have picked up fingerprints but you can't tell me that they wouldn't have. And please understand that I'm not implying Bill had anything to do with this or did that on purpose. I'm just telling you what happened. If Bill would have left the top up, there's a possibility fingerprints could have been picked up. Because in my opinion, driving the vehicle with the top down versus up could have compromised the integrity of the evidence of the car as it was originally found on I-5. Remember at the end of episode one, I had mentioned that there was a Facebook notification that created confusion for Detective Bill. Well, here's what happened. He comes, he takes prints. What else does he take? He takes a cell phone, he takes... Cell phone, and at that time, I had already plugged it in, got it charged, and I think that I opened it, I know I opened it, and I think Facebook came up, because they were later saying, yeah, but he was on Facebook, and I don't think so. I think it was when I plugged in the phone and it came up again. Naturally, you want to open the phone. You want to see the last text messages. Who was he talking to? Who was he meeting with? What was it? You know, what was he doing? When you took the stuff out, the phone, and you plugged it into the charger, did you go through the phone at all? No, because I it didn't know his password, but it did connect to Facebook because that was the same day they thought it did. I couldn't why, but that's what I did. And this was on the twenty third. Yeah. Okay. After we got the call. Does. Anybody else in the household try to mess with this phone? I don't know. I don't think so. I dove right into the case file. Here's what it says about the Facebook notification. Looking at Logan's Facebook page, it appears there was an update check-in posted to his Facebook account on May 26. This was several days after he went missing. I spoke with Logan's grandmother about this and she states she did not access Logan's account and she does not have his Facebook password. 
She provided several passwords to Detective Beale she suspected he would use for his different user accounts, but none of them worked. The TV show Crime Watch Daily aired an episode covering Logan's case. Here's a short clip of that episode when Detective Frawley talks about this incident. Either. What's so bizarre is the check-in at Facebook. It's very bizarre. An unexplainable digital clue in the case came one week after Logan vanished. He did a check-in on his Facebook page at the Olympia Regional Airport. If he's checking in via his own Facebook page and you're saying no one else had the password? Right. That you know of? That we know of. So either someone is trying to throw law enforcement off or in fact this is indeed Logan, right? Correct. So, how the heck does Logan's Facebook check-in at the Olympia Airport after he's been reported missing? Explain that one to me. Naturally, I start thinking about all the reasons why or how this would happen. First thought, someone is trying to throw off authorities and make it look like Logan's leaving. That would mean two things. One, this person knew Logan's Facebook password, indicating that this individual more than likely knew him on a personal level and was close enough to know his password. Or two, someone was able to access his account from a web browser that Logan previously may have stayed logged into. Now, this person would have access to his Facebook from that device. Now, my second thought about the check-in, if Logan did leave on his own accord and wanted to start a new life, could this be Logan's way of almost like saying goodbye? Things got even more complicated when I looked into this check-in. When Detective Beale retrieved Logan's phone and laptop, it's Thursday, May 26th. On that same day, this is when the Facebook check-in takes place. Now, allow me to circle back to the conversation I had earlier with Ginny. But it did connect to Facebook, because that was the same day they thought it did. And this was on the 23rd? Yeah. Ginny stated that when she powered the phone on, Facebook popped up, but remember she said she was not able to access his phone because she didn't know the password. So it leads me to believe that when Ginny powered the phone on, Logan's phone received a Facebook notification. Now, one of the explanations I was told about this check-in was that this was an anniversary on Logan's Facebook from a year prior. But that doesn't make sense to me. Commonly known, when you post something on Facebook based on your profile preferences, people can like or comment on that post. Facebook has an internal program that reminds you of your most liked or commented post a year or years after the original posted date. The program is designed to encourage you to repost your original post. This is what Facebook calls a memory. And this is what I was told the check-in was, a memory on Logan's Facebook. Now, many of you might already know the information I'm about to share. So bear with me, because I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. How it works. When you open your Facebook app or from a web browser, you'll have a notification that automatically suggests you share the memory. Remember that this takes place on the anniversary date of the original post. So for example, let's say I posted on January 1st, 2020, and it's one of my most liked or commented Facebook posts of the year. On January 1st, 2021, Facebook will notify me that I have a memory from January 1st, 2020 post. I can either repost it or I can ignore it. In this scenario, Logan would have to have a memory on May 26, 2015. From what I understand, and like I said before, Facebook won't automatically repost a memory unless you choose to do so. So when I was told that this check-in was a memory from 2015, that didn't sit right with me because that meant that someone had shared a memory from Logan's Facebook page seven days after he went missing. So I went and looked at Logan's Facebook page. It does show that he checked in at the Olympia Regional Airport on May 26, 2016. 
If this post was a memory, Facebook wouldn't change the date of the memory. It would still show the original date, but in 2015. That's when I realized that it's not possible for this post to be a memory. This had to be a post made on May 26, 2016. When I looked at other times Logan checked in, the only other time he did so was on September 1st, 2012 at a restaurant in Olympia called The Old School Pizzeria. Now my takeaway from this is that Logan wasn't really one to use the check-in feature on Facebook. I looked at my own personal Facebook page and surprisingly, I saw a number of check-ins that I don't remember posting. Right away I thought to myself, this doesn't make sense because, like Logan, I rarely use the check-in feature on Facebook. So I cross-referenced my account with my Facebook friends. What I found out was, if someone else tags you in a post, and they check in somewhere, it will now show on your Facebook profile that you have also checked in on that date of the post. So, I went to Logan's Facebook page, scrolled down to March 26, 2016, and there it was. The mystery behind this infamous check-in was a post created by Ginny, Logan's grandmother. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but I'll read it to you. But it was a post that you had created. On May 26, 2016, Logan Schindelman, he's been missing for six days. Please share. Let me know if you've seen him. And then you put down your email address. And it says on your Facebook post, Ginny Jibo is with Logan Schindelman at the Olympia Regional Airport. Do you know why you tagged the Olympia Regional Airport in that post? I did. That's automatic from Facebook because location was on in the um, phone. In your phone? Because this would be a post that you would have been you would have created from like yeah. your Facebook account. Yeah, but it would had to be a location. I didn't automatically put that. I didn't put with Logan either. That that would be a Facebook thing because I mentioned him. I think if I don't know why it decides to well, do that sometimes. I, so, so we are right next to the airport. So so one thing I would say when you're saying you're with somebody, when you put down Logan Schindelman, it allows you the, the choice to tag that person inside your post, right? So I think that's probably what happened was you had tagged him to being, you know, because when you wrote down Logan Schindelman, it said, hey, there's a Facebook profile friend. Are you trying to, are you talking about this person? So I'm assuming that when you had tagged him, but I'm trying to understand the part where it says that you were at the regional airport. Because usually you have to say, I'm here with this individual. For example, if my phone location for my Facebook app is on, it won't tag me at any location or place specifically unless I go to check in. So I'm, I'm just, I was curious. So you answered one of my questions was, did you create that post? And you said yes, but you just don't remember intentionally checking in at the re regional airport? airport? No, I didn't. I don't ever tell people where I am, but Facebook will will find that on occasion, and I don't know how it decides. I don't know, you know. I don't, I have my Facebook is really open, so I really don't know how it decides that. Well, that's that's the that was the infamous Facebook check-in that that everybody was kind of wondering uh -huh. what that was about. I'm not sure why or but how. But they didn't read the post. Are you talking about Frawley? You're the first one who has asked me. So I don't know what or if they they really checked it out. So I don't, I don't know, know but that's... And I wasn't that was, really with him either. Right, 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 right. That's Facebook. Yeah, I'm sorry it messes up your theory. No, I mean... One of your theories, I'm it's sure, one the, but... It's one thing we can check off to say, okay, there, there's nothing there. We could see it. You know, there's proof of it. 
So that's a good thing. Yeah. Now the other. It is weird that they never actually told me. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think they knew. Well. Okay. You could sense Ginny's frustration, not so much because of the questions I'm asking, but because the answer was there the entire time. And as much as I like wrapping up leads or tying up loose ends, this one's hard to accept because I thought that there was really something there. So now we know that Ginny created the post, typed in Logan's name, tagged him in it, and somehow she checked in with Logan at the airport. I don't know if she typed in Olympia and the most popular check-in location near her residence was the airport, but that's the only thing that makes sense if she didn't intentionally mean to check in. Now, I imagine some of you are hitting pause and going to your Facebook to test this theory. You may find that you have to intentionally choose a friend and location for both of them to be tagged in your post. So this doesn't really fit with the idea of unintentionally checking in. The only response I have to that is Facebook has been updated a number of times since 2016. Could tagging people or checking in with others have changed like many other features have since then? It's very likely. But now we can move on and put that to rest for now. At the end of episode one, I played a snippet of me talking to Logan's father, Adele Barnaway. You heard from Detective Frawley that neither him or Beale ever spoke to Adele, but they knew that he was in Australia for some years and then moved back to Saudi Arabia. One of the theories is that Logan got in touch with his dad and somehow got out of the country to live with him. Are there any signs or proof that Logan reached out to his dad? Well, on Facebook, Logan liked a picture Adele had posted of himself, and it appears to be him and his newborn baby back on July 2nd, 2013. Now, that's the only kind of communication or attempt to make contact we've ever seen Logan have with Adele. That doesn't mean there weren't other attempts, but I haven't found any other evidence of it. But how? How would Logan get out of the country without anyone, specifically his family, knowing about it? Keep in mind, Logan's passport was expired and had been left at his residence. We also know that he didn't have his driver's license since it was inside the Chrysler when Bill and Ginny picked it up. One of the things that you had mentioned was him being with his dad and his dad being over here when he was seeing Hannah and he was actually going to school. I believe I've been told to be a pilot or a mechanic for an airline company. It has something to do with the airlines. And, and I thought for some reason I thought I was a pilot. Okay. Um, I wasn't totally certain, but I knew he was up here going to school and something to do with aviation. So, and even Detective Gill had followed him all the way. He was in Australia for years and years and years. Until 2015, he was in Perth, Australia. And then in 2015, he had gone back to Saudi Arabia. So that was just a year before Logan went missing. You know, playing devil's advocate with it, thinking if you do get down to Miami, you get out of the country. You know, if you think you can, you can. There's always right. a way. And then if you get down to Cuba or something like that, you know, then you get a flight to go anywhere you need to go. So why specifically Florida? And because Logan on his Facebook page saying he was in Miami or from Miami. If you go and look up Logan's Facebook profile, he lists that he lives in Florida, not Washington. Remember, Adele is involved with planes. We're not 100% sure what he does, but he did come to Seattle to go to school for it. This brings up a couple of big questions. Could Logan have met with his dad down in Florida? And did Adele use airline connections to get Logan out of the country? Now, another bizarre incident with Florida in this case, nearly a year later to the day Logan was last seen, on May 17th, 2017, Detective Frawley received a phone call from Ginny indicating that she had received a telephone call from AT&T, her cell phone provider. AT&T advised her that there was a possible fraudulent claim on one of her lines and that the new cell phone had been issued in Miami, Florida. 
Ginny shared with Detective Frawley that the cell phone number in question is one of her numbers which is used by Chloe, Logan's stepsister. When Ginny tried to get additional information regarding the new phone issued, AT&T advised her that it would have to be handled by law enforcement. Now, Detective Frawley does issue a subpoena to AT&T requesting such records and eventually does get an address to where this cell phone was sent. When I search the address, it takes me to a business operation, JDM305. It's a commercial business for used auto parts. Not knowing if this was the same business back in 2017, I gave him a call. Hello, this is JDM. Hi, I'm calling because I was curious on um, looking on your guys' website. Is your guys' address 8550 Northwest 70th Street, Apartment B? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so I had a question about that. And this is, it's its not necessarily so much about having to do with your guys' uh, the business operation, but have, have you guys been there since... 2017 or did you guys move in after that Mm, i have no idea i have like a year specifically it would be around uh june of 2017 you don't think that you were there back then yeah i think so i reached out to detective frawley about this and i'm waiting to hear back from him i'll let you guys know what he says but let's continue with adele while attending school in seattle adele makes connection with hannah logan's mom I don't know the extent or seriousness of that relationship, but Mary Ware, Logan's aunt, shared with me that Adele was told by his family before he came to school in Seattle that if he got a woman pregnant while he was living in the States, not to come home, or something to that extent. Being Logan's father, and Logan showing signs of wanting a relationship with Adele, it's important we speak with him. But remember, no one has been able to make contact with Adele. So, how does one make contact with someone in Saudi Arabia? I tried his Facebook accounts. He has two, by the way. No success. I knew he lived in a city called Jeddah. I tried figuring out how the phone book works in Saudi Arabia, but had no luck. I tried looking up properties owned under his name. Nothing. So I started reaching out to friends on his Facebook account. I ran into an issue of a language barrier, so I had to download an app to translate English to Arabic. After sending tons of messages, I got a few replies. Most of them, they said they didn't know who Adele was. In response, I brought up the point that they probably knew him if they were friends on Facebook, but the conversations never went anywhere after that. Then one day, I get a FaceTime call from one of his friends that I had messaged. It was a younger man, and this call gets very bizarre. When I accepted the call, the first thing I saw was a silhouette of someone outside in the dark. The moonlight wasn't bright enough for me to see who I was talking to. Naturally, I started the conversation by saying hello. The person on the other end of the call didn't respond. I said hello again, still no response. I asked again if he was there. A male replied by asking what my name was. I responded and quickly followed up by asking if he knew Adele. Still, no answer to my question. He just kept asking me who I was. I asked him to turn on a light, and that's when he ended the call. I called him back multiple times, but he never answered. About a week later, I get a call from the same person. This time when I answer, he's walking down a dark hallway that seemed to have a number of doors equally spaced from each other, all slightly cracked to allow a sliver of light pass through. As he passes by each door, I'm able to make out a few things. I can see some features of his face. I notice exposed wires running across the ceiling of the hallway connecting into the rooms. The higher corners of the hallways seem to be crumbling in various sections. Everything else is still hidden by the dark. I say hello, but once again no answer. There was a long period of silence. I asked him, do you know Adele? Nothing. I then asked, do you know who this man is? I showed him a picture of Logan. He replied no. 
I wanted to see his facial response when asking these questions, so I requested he step into the light. At this point of our conversation, the male had already stepped into a room at what appeared to be at the end of the hallway. He then turned around and was now facing the doorway he had just walked in from. He started walking toward the dimly lit hallway and that's when his face emerges. It doesn't match the Facebook profile. This male had a thick beard and appears as though he hasn't showered in days. I tried asking him some more questions, but because of the language barrier, there wasn't much more we could speak about. The call ended and I never heard from him again. And then finally, someone replied to one of my Facebook messages and confirmed that they knew who Adele was. The gentleman said he worked with him from time to time. I asked him what the best method would be to contact Adele. He provided me with a few options and then we ended our conversation shortly after that. I never told any of his Facebook friends I contacted as to why I wanted to speak with Adele, but that it was very serious and important that I speak with him soon. My reason for not sharing was because I didn't want Adele to get tipped off and know why I was trying to reach him. I was concerned he may choose not to take my call. So here we go. I typed my first message. Hey Adele, I hope all is well and blessings your way. Are you back in Jeddah? Surprisingly, he sent me a voice message back. Hey, hello. Yes, I'm back in Jeddah. How are you? We texted back and forth a couple of times. I eventually just tried calling him. My call was declined. Adele responded, Sorry, calls don't work in Saudi. I have to have a VPN. I quickly typed in my Google search bar how to make calls to Saudi Arabia. Within minutes, I had Adele on the phone. Hello. Hey, Adele. Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You're, you're probably wondering who I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, gosh, where do I start? Um, okay, so I, I live in, in the United States, obviously. Yeah. Are you, are you in an area where we can speak privately? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm a guy who, who does a podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with what a podcast is. Podcast, yes. I love podcast. Okay. I'll spare you guys on my conversation briefing Adele on what types of podcasts I do. As you listen to our conversation, you'll notice that it's challenging at times to make out exactly what Adele's saying. So you may need to rewind it a few times to be able to process what he said. Um, okay. You came to Washington back in, I gosh, I think it was the 90s, right? 95? You were in Seattle? Yes, yeah. I think you were going to, I, you were, I know you were doing something with planes. What? I think you were a mechanic or a pilot. Are you? Is that what you're still doing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, are you a pilot? No, not a pilot. I'm a, a simulator engineer. Oh, gotcha. Okay. When you were here, Adele, mm -hmm. do you remember a gal by the name of Hannah? Who? Hannah. Hannah? Yeah, her name is Hannah. No. Okay, her, her name was Hannah Schindelman. Okay. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell. That this is a somebody that maybe you have no, you would have known. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Okay. From what Hannah said, Hannah and you had a, a somewhat of a relationship while you were here. Okay. When you and Hannah had a relationship, I don't know if if anybody has ever contacted you or ever reached out to you, but Hannah had a child. Okay. And Hannah said that you were the father of that child. Okay, that's, that's, it's really, uh, shocking, it's been, uh, many, many, many years ago. Yeah. It's like, the, it's the first time uh, I hear that from, you know, 
Yeah. Because I was not in contact. We were not in contact when I left the States. Uh, I've never had any contact with anybody there. So H- Hannah had a son, and his name was Logan. Okay. And Logan was born um, in 1997. No one's ever contacted you and said, hey, just so you know, Hannah had a child and you have a son. No one's ever reached out to you? No. And you have kids yourself nowadays, correct? Yes. Something you guys should know as you listen to Adele's response. I wasn't aware what the relationship was like between Adele and Hannah. I was told that Hannah never shared with Adele that she was pregnant. Why that is, I don't know. Hannah still hasn't gotten back to me yet. And one reason Hannah may not have told Adele she was expecting could have to do with what I shared with you earlier. Adele shared with Hannah that he was told by his family when he came to Seattle for school, if you get a woman pregnant, don't come home. I'm not sure if that may have to do with his upbringing and culture, but I was told from Ginny that Hannah and Adele had an actual relationship and it wasn't just some one night fling and that Hannah informed Adele that she was pregnant. But that's all I've heard from Ginny. Obviously, Adele is saying that this is the first time he's heard from anyone about Logan. He also said in the beginning that he didn't remember Hannah. So, do you believe him? Does he sound like someone who just heard that they have a child? And something else I'd like to add. Between season one and two, I've done over 100 interviews. Some conversations are more intense than others. I've knocked on a drug dealer's door, went to the man who confessed to killing someone, and asked the tough questions. I've had long conversations with Bernard Howe, who brutally murdered Vonda Boone in Tenino. I don't shy away from these uncomfortable or tense conversations, but this conversation with Adele was hard for me to have. It wasn't just having to tell him he has a child. I also had to drop another bomb in his lap and tell him that his new son, Logan, is missing. Keep in mind, I'm processing everything Adele's saying, because Logan could very well be with his dad in Saudi Arabia. So I'm trying to be sensitive. Adele can be telling the truth and trying to digest everything that he's hearing, which is heavy information to process, but I'm also interviewing and paying close attention to every word and emotional response he gives, in case he's not being truthful. In in 2016, and I know this is a lot of information that's just kind of coming at you, Adele. Yeah. But in 2016, Logan Logan went missing. Okay. And we can't find him. You can't find him. No. And uh, sorry, but uh, who, 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 you you said you were doing podcast. Yeah. So I'm investigating his disappearance. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out you know what happened and a part of that mystery is logan started to you know as he be, he was in his teenager years and, and started to wanting to know who his father was and was able to locate and look you up on facebook yeah and one of the theories is that maybe logan was able to get in contact with you and chose to want to go have a life away from his family over here and to pursue that side of his family with you no, because I don't. Uh, I can't look for maybe six or seven years now. Maybe he, maybe he tried to contact me there, but uh, uh, he couldn't. I'm sure he could uh, reach me. I never, I, I never hear uh, anything uh, regarding this case at all. I, I never get any uh, information or mail or uh, it's just this time. No. Okay.
like I said, one of the theories is that he somehow was able to get in contact with you and and go to and go live with you. And you're saying that that's absolutely there's no truth to that. He's not. You've never heard from him. This is the first time you've ever heard of Logan. And so Logan's been missing since 2016, which we don't know if something bad happened. For you? Yeah. Did he try to what? If she's sure, I mean, did she try to uh, talk with him about this and whether uh, if I was the father, if she's sure I was the father or not, or did he just disappear like that? No, he he just disappeared, and he was a good kid. You know, mm-hmm. he was a good kid, didn't get in trouble. He was, you know, just trying to figure out life as a young adult, and it was on uh, May twentieth, two thousand sixteen, is the day he went missing. I mean, is it, would it be that hard uh, not to be able to find him in the state for all this time? I mean, how is he living if he has a job or not a job? I mean, he must show up somehow. You can tell that Adele's wheels are starting to spin. He continued asking about what was going on in Logan's life before he disappeared. I shared with him what I already shared with you. When talking to Adele, it was almost like wearing two hats. The hat of the sympathetic stranger having grace for a man who just found out that he has a child and has missed 19 years of their life. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and try to remember he could be telling the truth and is just handling and processing it differently. I try not to set expectations on him because I have to keep in mind that his own family was willing to disown him if he got a girl pregnant. It's even possible that he didn't believe me when I told him that he had a child. And the other hat I wear is the investigator hat. I want to question his answers and reactions. Why isn't he more emotional? Why isn't he asking obvious questions? It almost sounds like he's eating while moving in and out of his car, almost like it's a call during a lunch break. If it were me receiving this call, I'd need a second to process, but after that, I'd be firing off questions. Considering all things, and the possibility of Logan being with Adele, I wanted to make sure I took advantage of this opportunity with having him on the phone. I started asking him some challenging questions. What is going through your mind right now? How do you feel? I mean, I know this is a lot of information that you have to take right now in your processing. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The news like, uh, like flashback to from the uh, from the past. You know, I don't know how. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. You know, there's nothing really to, you know, there's no way of normally handling this. You know, people don't normally get calls like this. So I guess one word would be speechless. Yeah, but I mean, um, what, what should they say? I, 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 can't, I can't help. I don't know if I can help. I mean, do you want to know, do you want to know more or about the case or where, where do you stand today? Um, I really, I, 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 need, I need some time to look this. You need some time? Yeah, I need some time to just digest this thing, you know, just think about it. I don't know what to say now. I'm sorry, Adele, that this is the way you had to find out. I, I'm a father myself, and I didn't think that it would be right for you not to know. Yeah. You know, and I think every father should know, and it's their choice after that. But obviously, you not knowing, you know, I think is, you know, I think it's, I know Logan would want you to know. 
You know, I know he was, there's a picture on your Facebook, there's a picture of you, and I think it's one of your children, but it, you know, you're looking at your child, and he had liked that picture, and we always kind of thought that that was one of the ways that he had kind of, you know, in a way reached out, but I think at that point in time, you weren't on Facebook anymore. Mm. But I mean, uh, do you, I mean, uh, did she know that he, he like, found, he found me, I mean, uh, the Facebook, did she, like, try to find me with him and he would talk? Like, go find, maybe? Are you talking about Hannah? Yeah. No, I don't think, I don't think Hannah tried to reach out to you. Oh. I, from what I, I... mean, if he was, if he wanted to find me, I mean, could he, like, you did by the name or how did you find me? He obviously had your Facebook page, and he knew that it was you. So I think he could have sent a message on Facebook, but I don't know how where he stood if he felt like... Because I think a part of Logan, the way he was thinking was not knowing if you knew he existed, and almost a sign of rejection if so. One of the things that I've been told was that your family had told you when you came to Seattle, if you get a girl pregnant there, don't come back home. Is there any truth to that? Well, there was some discussion about, uh, you know, yeah, get, getting a serious relationship. Probably, but uh, it's been it's been a long time, you know. You know, Logan's got lots of friends over here who want to find him, and and you know, so we're we're trying to do our best about putting our minds together and and investigating this and trying to figure out what happened to him. But obviously, you've been a, a you know a major piece of the question: Did he leave and get out of the United States and was able to you know somehow get in contact with you and go live with you? No, no, no. I'm hundred percent sure they did not uh, contact me. If you would have known or if you would have heard Logan was, you know, your child, would you have taken an active role? Would you have made contact? Would even if that meant you were in Australia or Saudi Arabia and he was living here, yeah. would you have still had that relationship with him? I mean, if he was uh, my child, of course, I think uh, I have uh, a little bit of, uh, even if I wasn't there, I, I think I should have been uh, in contact. I mean, the, it's not his son. Yeah. It's not true that he, he doesn't have, you know, it's like his father is alive or dead. He deserves to know it. There's, there is a thought, Adele, that he actually just chose to run away and start a new life. And that's something that the detectives are still leaving on the table and saying that that's a real possibility. So if there's a possibility that he's out there and he was listening to this phone call or this recording, what would you say to him? Uh, I, can, I, I cannot be sorry enough for what he has been through. If, uh, you know, if something that I called him, you know, uh, I cannot be sorry enough. The words will not be enough. I don't have any words enough, enough to, to explain all these years, you know, why it just happened, you know. If he was out there, would you be willing to start from today, at least to start having conversations or a relationship and, and starting to have that father-son relationship? Would that be something you'd be willing to, to do and answer that call? Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think so. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, 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 there's no way I, uh, 
seems to me like it's a coward decision. I cannot choose not to do that. I don't know how much how much he, he, uh, that caused him trouble because maybe I did not know, I didn't see him, but he, he was there. He, he bored himself. Him, him hearing your voice right now, if he's out there, I mean, this is a boy who's been searching to hear this voice for I don't know how long, but I can imagine for a very, very long time. And in, if he's hearing this, I imagine there would be, you know, there would be some comfort brought to him by hearing you say, you know, absolutely. I can't, obviously I can't answer for what I didn't know. And I didn't know you were alive. I didn't know we had, you know, I had another son. But I imagine he would find a lot of comfort in knowing that you would say, hey, today, knowing that you are my son and that you are out there, I would be more than happy to have a conversation and we can start there. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. I, you know, Hannah would, would, I know we were together at that time, but I don't think she would lie or something like this. You know, this is not a joke. I, I mean, I don't think, uh, I, I would like, uh, if he's really my son, of course, I don't think Hannah would, would lie that I was, I was the father, you know. Right, yeah. But do you, yeah, you don't yeah. remember who she was? Yes, yes, I do, I do. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I didn't think she would make something like this up. No, I don't think so. This is, uh, nobody makes joke about it. Hmm. Well, I wish if he, if she was uh, uh, anywhere, you know, I wish he would come back, you know, he would come back to his family. You know, uh, anything that I can do that can make him feel better, of course, I will uh, do it. And uh, I will be really sorry for whatever he has been through because of me. So, now it's your turn. You get to play investigator. Do you think Adele's being truthful? A few things stood out to me as I reflected on our conversation. It does seem like he's wrestling between unbelief and emotional shock. I asked him multiple times if Logan was with him, or if they have ever made contact. He always was firm with his response. No, 100%. Not with me, never contacted me. Whether Adele knew Hannah was pregnant, who knows. But early on in our conversation, Adele did state that he didn't know who Hannah was. Later on in our call, he changed his position and said that he remembered her. That was the only thing that he had said that changed during our conversation. After about a week had passed, I decided to text Adele and check in on him. He wrote me back the following. Just wondering if there is anything you need from me. I'm kind of really lost in thinking and I don't know what to do since Logan is not found. It's hard to reach out for other stuff. I mean, I don't think I can help in any way more than his grandmother or his mother would do and the investigator trying to find him. I'm kind of on hold until there's some sort of update. Then it will be reasonable to reach out and understand more of his life and circumstances. Now I feel like I have no right to ask questions, especially that I don't know how his family feel about me after all those years. I have some different things going on here with family and life, work that is keeping me so busy. What I understood that you wanted to get information about Logan reaching out to me or something, but as you know, he isn't. So I don't know if you need anything else in that official matter. From where I sit today, I don't think that Logan is with Adele, but that's just my opinion. I do hope one day Hannah will take the time to sit down and talk about some of the things I have questions about. And the strange thing is, is that her and Chloe are not interested in talking about Logan's disappearance. And it's not just with me, but with anybody, family included, is what I've been told directly from family. And I'm not saying that they owe me a conversation or an interview. 
As an amateur podcast investigator, I will always be sensitive to something like this. I'd never take a story and try to stir something up, especially within the family, just because it creates drama. Someone with that kind of motive should never do this. But ask yourself that question. Why won't they return my calls or messages? I know they're receiving them. I know they know I want to talk to them. If they don't want to talk on the record, that's fine. But why not come out and say it? Because when you have someone with the will and drive to find answers for your missing loved one, who's willing to ask the hard questions and push the envelope to find answers, wouldn't that be something you'd support and want to be a part of? So again, why aren't you ladies willing to talk? The same goes for his three friends who haven't either returned my calls or told me they didn't want to participate. I can't say enough. I'm here to find answers and I'm here to find the truth. I'm here for Logan. So I ask you, can you as a family, mother, sister, friend, can you do it for Logan and call me? Whether you realize it or not, you not speaking up is only slowing down the progress we all want. And I imagine that that's not something that you'd want to do, right? Next time on Hide and Seek. Right, so car was reported found here on the 20th, and this happened right here? I mean, that's within yards. We were coming from Lindsay's parents' house. They live down that road. Okay, and the, I believe, is it, am I pronouncing it right, Poland Road? Yeah. What do you guys remember? Just this guy walking down the road. He didn't have any pants on. It looked like his pants were over his shoulder there, and it looked like he had a dark hoodie on. You know, walking away from, uh, I think it's Case Road there that he was walking away from. And just walking down the gravel road, which obviously that time of night is super abnormal. David said, we went around the corner and it was like, whoa, there's a guy there. And then we were past him in just like five seconds and it was like, whoa. He didn't have pants and it's like a, like in the morning. 